Wir gehen jetzt in den Wassers los. It's Deinen Freundo, Seth, I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh, German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name. Actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Well, hello, Super Nintendos. It is episode 604 of Nintendo Voice Chat, and you notice I had to look because last time I messed it up a little bit. I am your host, Seth Macy. With me today is Per Schneider in sunny California. <sighs> hello. And Tom Marks from his also sunny apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Also in California. Hello. Also in California. I, I had I had to think for a second. I was like, wait, does Tom did Tom move away? I couldn't remember. But anyway, 
It doesn't matter. I'm the only one not in California right now. It's not I thought, here. I thought you said Southern California. That's why I got confused. I was in, in Southern California for the last week shooting a reality show with uh, where I'm on the panel as a judge with Reggie and um, a few others. Which oh, wait, is really, wait, 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 wait. Really please. Fun. Please tell yeah. us more about this. It's called Rogue Jam, and Rogue is actually a company run by Matt Casamassina, the uh, second ah. editor of IGN64 alongside me back in the days. And uh, we're doing a collaboration where uh, an indie dev can win 500 grand. And, uh, you know, a couple of other... Other places are like 100K and 50K and Rogue and some sponsors have come up with the money. So it's going to be really cool, you know, empowering some indie devs to to really spend a lot more on development and take more time. And uh, it's going to be great. And Reggie, yeah, Reggie was one of the judges. We had a gentleman from Netflix, uh, you know, someone from uh, Warner Brothers, Rogue Games. Um, and uh, it was lovely. Just hung out with Reggie for a week. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I am, I am, I'm not an expert on indie game development, but $500,000 seems like a lot. It's money. No, it's, I mean, it's really significant. And, uh, you know, some of the games that, that entered were really cool. And I think we'll hear more about them in the future. But uh, Reggie says hi. And obviously, oh, I, hey. can't re I can't uh, repeat anything that he told me while I was there. He's got all the secrets. No, he doesn't. He's been gone for a long time from Nintendo. He has no idea what they're up to. So. Yeah, no, no fishing it, possible. It's also a common misconception, and it's in question block a lot that we also have insider knowledge as to when games are going to come out, and we don't. Well, pair might, but the rest of us don't. So, anyway, thank you for explaining uh, a little bit about Rogue Jam. Actually, that, that's really exciting. And uh, if you if you're unfamiliar, Reggie, eight and a half feet tall, very large man. So, <laughs> it's true. Let's talk about the PC port of Ocarina of Time and how it's definitely not authorized. However, not using any copyrighted material, so it should be fine. This is from the legal experts at OnlineLawFirm.com. Uh, it is backward engineered, so it doesn't use any original assets. Again, the, the sleuths at uh, OnlineLawFirm.com will tell you that it's okay. Uh, I'm sorry, they're insane. Yeah. They're insane. Like it's it's just not like it should be fine from a perspective. Maybe Nintendo won't come after them and we'll have a hard time sending getting them to take it down because they have to prove that, you know, it's their game. But it's their game. It's <laughs> like even if everything is reverse engineered and painted anew, which is a an awesome project. I, I love it so much. It's like if you sat down right now and you would make you would reshoot the last godzilla movie exactly how it was made and said no i made this this is original they're gonna sue your ass and you're yes. not gonna bring it to theaters or streaming right like it's as simple as that so well yeah the thing is mm -hmm. is this requires you to own a copy of ocarina of time in order to make it work and i don't know the specifics of the, the engine doesn't matter behind it well that's that's technically the just, next that's technically the same argument that roms have always had right i know i know these and it doesn't things. it doesn't work right like it really no, doesn't work like the simple fact is that they're registered trademarks being used one right that's already an issue they're registered character marks being used that is link and if you draw link and you distribute link in any form they're, they're going to come after you so i'm not sure what this legal advice is like Maybe it's more meant like, well, maybe they'll let it persist because it's not 
you know, it's not just a replica of the original ROM and they're not going to go after it. But hey, let's talk talk again in one month and see what happens. <laughs> well, one of the, the precedents that people who are saying that this won't get taken down have cited is that there is a backward engineer. It's the exact same process for, I think, Super Mario 64. And that yeah. one, Nintendo has never come after that one. That being yeah. said, even if it were completely on the level um that doesn't necessarily stop copyright holders from sending cnd letters anyway because a lot of times they'll just scare you into (laughs) taking it down think about it this way and and that's why i want to make the distinction between it's probably fine and they won't come after you and they can't come after you because they absolutely can if you take the ocarina of time music and you play it on a piano in a concert um, whether you charge zero dollars or fifty dollars, they can come after you. Yeah, that's that's an original composition that's protected, right? Yeah, yeah. It and Nintendo is very funny because like they have a reputation for being extremely litigious and aggressive in kind of how they defend their IPs, which they're within their legal right to do, whatever. But like, there are also instances where they don't go after things that they oh, absolutely yeah. could take down. Like the the one that comes to mind is that uh. I think it was called the Super One One Challenge. It got released like a year or two ago. That was that like totally in Unreal, like custom Mario FPS that a developer named Sean Noonan made for fun. And like everyone was sure that that game was going to get taken down immediately. And it's still up. So like there are instances where Nintendo absolutely is within their right to take something down and don't. And then there are instances where it's a legal gray area and Nintendo is litigious about it because they don't want a thing on the internet. And like, so whether this thing, I I think pair's point is right. Right. Where it's like completely removed from the legality of this. Nintendo could absolutely go after these people very easily if they wanted to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's also, I think it's a, I I, I'm really surprised at that uh, advice from uh, what are they called? Online law. Yes, the online law uh, firm. Firm.com. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm obviously no lawyer, and maybe they thought about it a lot, but maybe they also didn't think about it because. Well, online law firm.com is technically uh, not lawyers, but a collection, right. uh, is a brain trust of everybody on the internet who just really wants to play this game. And they- <laughs> <laughs> no, but the real story is, you know, yeah, Nintendo sometimes doesn't go after homages. Like if you if you create a Mario game in dreams on the PlayStation, right? Right. Nintendo is not going to enforce anything and go after them. And they see that as fandom and healthy support of their brands. But when it's a replication of an experience that they don't intend to be available on a platform other than their own, um, they sometimes go after it because because the risk is that if they don't, They'll all be the. There'll be all these examples of it happened before that they didn't legally challenge, and that's ultimately how it works, right? Yeah. Um, and there's also yeah. no statute of limitations on that, right? Like they could not go after this right now, and then two years from now decide that they don't want it on the internet anymore and go after it. And it's not like they've ceded their right to do that or whatever. But yeah. the other thing prob- mixed up in this is like, this is kind of cool. Right. It is really <laughs> I mean, cool. That's the thing. Yeah. At the end of yeah. the day, it's like it's really neat. It's like 60 FPS. You can map your own textures to it. It's got wide support screen. for ultra yeah. wide screen, 21 yeah. by 
which probably breaks the game in a lot of ways. Oh, certainly. I know. And it's yeah. different, right? Like if you think of some interesting projects where uh, creative minds have replicated something official in an unofficial way, right? Like the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie where, you know, these kids redid the entire movie with a cardboard plane and everything, right? And it's beat for beat the same movie. And, you know, obviously uh, the, the filmmakers thought it was funny and loved it. And it's, it is not a replacement for the original movie by any means. Um, this is interesting from a technical perspective from, and from a creative perspective to replicate something. Like if, you know, if the old Gus Van Zandt cycle remake had not just remade the movie shot for shot, they added a completely dumb, unnecessary scene into it. But like if, if he had remade it in black and white completely like to look like it, it would have been an interesting exercise. Um, but he still needed to get the license for that too, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess there goes my widescreen <laughs> adaptation of Citizen Kane. Damn. Oh, well. Uh, backwards engineering that one. I'd be interested to hear from any actual legal experts. And I'm not talking about somebody who is who's just going to Google and tell us what the first search result is, but like actual people with knowledge of copyright law, whether or you, not you're going to hear it. Is. You're totally going to hear it. You're going to hear it from well, a mean, lawyer. I, no, no, no. I want to hear from people. actual. <laughs> right. Should, but I yeah. want to hear if there is like a legal case to defend this where, you know, if, if somebody were inclined to actually represent the developers of this, would they, you know, be able, what, what precedents would they be able to cite? Would they be able to win over this? Because like I said, really a lot of times, I, I did a t-shirt design that was, and I know for a fact, is uh, in the public domain because it was a patent. Uh, it was mm -hmm. a, a, an image from a patent, which once you submit a patent, that becomes property of the people of the United States. And it was taken down by someone who uh, is much more rich. Let's just say that. So I didn't even bother. I was like, I could spend more yeah. than $1 or I could just say, okay, I'm not going to fight this. And they just didn't want it out there. So yeah, that's... That's the other side of the story is like there is, you know, legally defensible and then there is viable to actually pay for it to be defended, which <laughs> if Nintendo says take it down, you're not going to fight him. Come on. No. Like they, they, no. they, they ripped off King Kong with Donkey Kong and they won that suit. The craziest way possible. Yeah. A giant ape grabbing a woman and climbing up on a tall building in a video game in the 80s and they're like, that's not based on King Kong. Right. <laughs> Wasn't it some, it was saved like some technicality, like they just forgot. No, he's to, not. He's just a Kong. He's not a King Kong. He's just a Kong. Wasn't it some weird thing? Like they, they forgot to renew the, uh, yeah. the license no, they was, or the, uh, the excuse me, the copyright on it yep. one time. And yeah, yeah, Nintendo kind of flew under the gun on that one. But no, it's. We will see if this if this lasts. I mean, I know that like the people cited the Super Mario one, but I never heard of the Super Mario one until this one. And this one's getting a lot more press. And I think that makes it it's going to be a crosshairs. <laughs> and then the Super Mario one is going to be gone. And, uh, <laughs> the Mario just... did get a decent amount of press, too. I, yeah. I frankly, like we've talked a lot about how Nintendo could very easily take this down at any moment. I, I think that I would not be surprised to see it stay up. I, okay. I would not be surprised to just see it be there i also wouldn't be surprised to hear that by the time we post this episode it is already down but <laughs> i i would like probably lean towards it's gonna stay up at least for a little bit um yeah 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 the the, the threat like nintendo is very serious about you cannot replicate our experience outside of our platforms that that yeah. sort of approach and yeah. so while they'll 
sometimes turn a blind eye to mods and 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 changes like sometimes when something is in the public eye they just need to reaffirm their their copyrights and trademarks and then they go after it you know yep we shall see red hasn't pulled up any footage of a takedown notice yet so we know <laughs> it hasn't happened quite yet but uh let's talk about a new feature that came to the nintendo switch a feature that everybody has wanted since the switch launched one that we all love mm-hmm. 3ds of course i'm talking about themes no i'm not i'm talking about folders we're, we're closer we're closer to, to themes now but we finally have folders so you can organize all your games and the three apps that are available on switch into neat little groupings uh is of course this makes me wonder will we see themes like our themes next because i want nintendo to know and i want to go on the record right now i will pay nintendo i will pay you for themes i've paid for themes in the past on my 3ds i love buying games that included a theme my current theme right now is from the Mega Man collection by digital eclipse so when i turn on my 3ds i get greeted by all my favorite Mega Man foes and friends and music and sound effects and i just want that on my nintendo switch folders are a good place to start i know people are very excited but as someone who doesn't even use them on his iphone or any other console i'm not as excited but i'm curious pair are you are you organizing your your games and apps into folders i i started but it's not just to explain it to people who haven't updated their switch and and haven't played with it what you can actually do is you can't make a folder on your home screen and put like some of your favorites into it right like the home screen is organized by the most recent games that you play it none of that has changed when you go into the more section where you have all your downloaded games which can be quite a lot right if you have a, a big sd card in there um you can now create a folder you can now create folders, add games from them, like you can multi-select them, and then you can name the folder. But whenever you go into the section, you have to act. You ha- you have basically the full view of games, and then you have a filter that you hit. You hit the L button, I think, and then you see all the folders. So it's a way for you to find something more easily. But is it easier than looking through an alphabetized list of games? I don't know. It's just, it's a step towards better organization on the platform, but it comes with all these caveats that it's really in a section that you rarely visit. And so, yeah. 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 Do I need a folder called Mario games or can I just scroll down to S and look up Super Mario Odyssey? Uh, No, (laughs) you know? That is true. Tom, are are you scrolling or are you foldering? I haven't even installed the update yet. Oh, right, I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm with pair. I think this is exciting. I think this is nice, but they did something recently or like last year, I think similar where they like added another thing you could sort by on this more screen. And like, it consistently is just like, I just want some way to modify the home screen of the system. Like, Oh, there it is. Yeah. So, so like I, if you, yeah, I'm, I'm just holding up my switch and you can see I created, it's called a group, by the way. I created a group called Classics. And so I put right. all my classic game apps, the collections in there, because it's Japanese and American and so forth. Oh, so, which is nice, right? Okay. That's nice. Yeah, it is nice, but you can't really, you still can't tell the difference between some of them, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them, like, for people who have lots and lots of games, this is probably going to be a very useful thing. But for it's me, welcome. the thing that consistently drives me crazy, even beyond themes, like honestly, I could take or leave themes as long as when I play some random game, I like 
don't want to have played 10 other games before it leaves the home screen if it's like a bad game that i don't want to think about right like it'll just stay there forever and like that's the thing that annoys me most about the switch organization is that you can't just decide what is on the home screen when you open it it's Um, so funny and it'd be so simple right like hit plus and say sticky Right, That's yeah. it. Like sticky games and unsticky them when you no longer want them stickies. Like yeah. it is, it is, it is really funny. The Switch system is so economical. It's so fast, right? Like there's not a lot of bloat. If you remember when you turned on your Wii U, <laughs> nobody remembers stuff turning to on their Wii U. And then like it took a while to get in the menus. And in the beginning, it was very cumbersome. And then Nintendo patched it and sped it up. But it was fun, right? And yes. so the Switch really hasn't been gamified the way that no. some yeah. of the DS machines or the Wii U or the Wii have been gamified. So the fact that there isn't anything to customize your home screen, there's no cute Mario running to transfer stuff, right? Like we've seen in the past. None of that is in there. I have a feeling it's going to come. It's like they just didn't focus on this. They wanted to make a more kind of broadly and, you know, slightly more generic um, OS experience for the Switch. And maybe we'll see a little bit more. Folders also are very personality-less, right? It's very utilitarian. Yeah. And I I don't want to be like too pessimistic about this Mm -hmm. because I do... I do appreciate the switch for its simplicity. I think at its launch, mm-hmm. I, it bothered me a lot more that it was like not this all encompassing device. And now I've like totally made peace with it. And I'm like, that's not what I use my switch for. I have other things for that sort of experience. Um, and, and I don't want to hate on Nintendo for adding little features here and there. It's just also hard for me to get like overly excited about mm-hmm. like one kind of useful sorting feature per year from them. You know, so the, like <laughs> they've they've done two upgrades, right? They they recently did an upgrade to your icons. Like you can, you know, you can do have different oh, yeah. frames and different customization around the icons. So it does feel like there's now maybe a small team working on quality of life improvements. But yeah, is yeah. it? I, do I get excited about it? No, but like my daughter was freaking out over the icons thing, right? There are a lot of sure. people who love personalizing their their personal devices, and for whom having just two themes available is an outrage for the switch they want to have a red screen or a blue screen or whatnot yeah you know? yeah or or something more advanced like we had in the ds age where you could clutter up your screen to f if you wanted to so good i love With it lots it's, of stuff it's strange yeah. to me because the wii and the wii u those interfaces were so good i mean they weren't good they're were so char <laughs> let me say they were so they were charming charming yeah. and they they're memorable music that you will never forget like Got- the wii music people just hum that on the bus to themselves because it's so catchy and everything. Oh, all the, all the Wii shop and, and home yeah. screen, all that, all that music's so good. And then Wii U, ironically, because it wasn't a strong online console, but it had this sense of together, togetherness yes. that you saw your friends and They'll you saw their, their silly the characters and they come running and they make little sounds and little pop-ups on what they're doing. Like, it was really charming. I'm actually surprised that felt so Nintendo to me that that mm-hmm. is gone. Yeah. And they look much more like PlayStation now, right? Like yeah. the, yeah. but maybe that is just kind of recognizing that like the it. audience is getting older and you got to be a little more classy looking. I don't know. The closest thing that we do have on the Switch is the like loading of the eShop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always move mm-hmm. my head because it hypnotizes me every time. But <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. That makes one of you. Look, I <laughs> marched by the beat of my own Nintendo uh-huh. Switch loading screen. So put Seth into a fugue state, and then he wakes up five <laughs> minutes later, and he's bought ten games, and he's like, "What's going on?" Mm. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's not better than 
No, nothing is better than the Wii Wii music, uh, which I believe was Uh composed by the same person that did Pilot Wings, uh, the composer whose name is... There's that evil rabbit uh, on the screen right now that sells us sells Sells us little trinkets and badges. I forgot about that. I just wish they would bring that stuff back. That's probably what they're going to do for for the next Nintendo console is... No, they won't. It'll just... You won't be able to see anything but the game that you're playing at that exact moment. It'll be a throwback. That will be the the Switch 4K upsell is that it's going to have a fully customizable home screen with a a badge rabbit. I would... A 4K 4K badge. baseball dog. I love Rusty's Real Deal Baseball. (laughs) Talk about it every chance that I can get. I want to see Rusty Uh come back. That is very fun. And it gets pretty hard the further you go into Mm -hmm. it. But that was one of Nintendo's first, what, uh, free-to-try adventures. And I never never paid for it. There you go. That's why you didn't get another Rusty. That's why. uh, (laughs) Very charming. Look at him. I love it. His little little kids, his little pups. What happened here? Oh, they're so cute. Uh, Red is showing us footage of this um, just such a charming game it might also yep. have something to do with the fact that baseball is not really a, as popular in the united states as it was in say 1945 <laughs> so mm. that's that's part of it but enough about rusty's real deal baseball because i can talk about it for pretty much ever but that's not why we're <laughs> here we're not here to talk about nintendo's first free to try game we're here to talk about kirby and the forgotten land which comes out uh tomorrow as a matter of fact Tom, you gave it an eight in your verdict. You said, quote, Kirby and the Forgotten Land successfully warps the series' already fun mix of ability-based combat platforming and secret hunting into the third dimension. The post-apocalyptic setting may not be as thematically interesting as Planet Popstar, but it is still lovely and vibrant with cleverly designed levels that make consistently smart use of Kirby's abilities. Despite the change in perspective, Forgotten Land maintains most of what I love about classic Kirby games, and if the future means more 3D adventures for our hungry pink hero, I'd be more than happy to swallow them up. Let's talk about Kirby. Tom, I believe you're the only person who's actually played the full game. The full one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this room, you mean? Yes. Boom. No, on Earth. <laughs> you're the only yeah. one. Yes. What? Yeah, it's great. It's it's super good. I would even say, like, this is a high not, or a high eight for me, right? Like, mm, it is. Okay. Wow. It's, I think okay. it's a, a really great game. Um, you know, it's it's funny, Pear, when we were talking about it on the last episode of NBC, we were talking about the demo, and you were like, uh, I had played more than the demo at that point, and you were like, yeah. you know, Hal is Hal, so they didn't have they can't make like a super visually varied, beautiful game. And I was just like biting my tongue because some of the like <laughs> levels in this game are really pretty. Like really? Okay, yeah. Good. yeah, this is I could you give I'm, us an example of one? Uh like the whole there's this whole carnival themed world, and the Ooh, carnival okay. themed world is just like vibrant and colorful and super like there's a whole level that's based on basically like uh disneyland's electric light parade right Ooh, okay it's it's super super neat and yeah it's a very fun game it's a really really fun game this year i decided i actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals so i subscribed to a service that streams all of the nhl to your television uh the boston bruins home opener i went to watch it and boom blackout restrictions apply which i thought was 
kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with, like, Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right. How long of a game? Uh, it took me somewhere in the range of, I think, like eight to ten hours to be. Oh, okay. And that was doing... All of the optional things as I got to them, trying to be thorough with stuff, mm. but not like going back to 100% every level as I beat it, and also not doing the sort of like post game stuff that there is, uh, which there is a little bit more after. Um, oh, yeah, that was going to be my next question. If yeah, which I can't talk about like the specific, oh, specifics right. of uh, ahead of its release, but like I wouldn't want to spoil that stuff anyway. It, but there is in classic sort of Nintendo fashion of, you know, more stuff to do after the credits roll. Um, did, you, did you play it in wild mode? 
I did. Yeah, I didn't actually try the easier mode. Wild mode is not like overly it's difficult. Not, no, um, if it's like the demo. Yeah, I, I, I never even stopped to go back for everything. Like I felt like, yeah, and granted the demo is, I'm assuming, the beginning of the game, right? Yes, so, the demo is like the, yeah. the, two of the very first levels in okay. the first boss or whatever. And it, that is what I will say is that is absolutely the simplest and the easiest the game ever is. Right. Okay. It is. Good. It it never gets crazy challenging right mm-hmm. it's not meant to be a super hard game but the, the difference to me and i might have mentioned this last time i was on nbc is like the crafted world yoshi's crafted world yoshi's crafted world yeah. was such an easy game that you could literally in some levels hold right on the stick and just jump occasionally and get to the end of the level and not even think about what you were doing mm-hmm. this is not that right like you there have to are hold- different directions yeah you have to go in 3d right no um (laughs) yeah no it's it's the the harder fights especially the boss fights are not gonna you know totally kick your butt but they are gonna make you think about what you're doing and dodge and you know time your attacks a little better um the platforming is never gonna totally super challenge you but there's you're gonna have to be engaged and pay attention right like it is it is a really nice balance of challenge in a way that i really really like and then there are these side missions that are mm-hmm. like, or side levels that are these challenge stages called treasure roads. Um, and those are the one of my favorite parts of this game because they're completely really? optional. And they are just like these little bite sized if anyone's watching the video, they, this is what they are. Um, they're these bite sized challenges where it says, okay, here's a specific ability to use, here's a target time. See if you can get to the end of this obstacle course in the time it takes or whatever under that time. Uh, And so it just is like super clever uses of the abilities in these sections that are just really, really fun. And they add a lot of the challenge that, you know, might otherwise be a little bit missing from like the main Hmm. levels. Okay, so basically, then, if you're feeling a little bit like the actual game is maybe too easy, you do have the option to give a little bit more of a challenge with these. Yeah, and I, and I almost don't see them as like side content because they mm-hmm. you spend the resources, these stars that you get in them on ability upgrades that you can like yep. actually like change the way your uh your moves, your copy abilities behave. Um, and so they're optional, but they are like a really really fun part of the game. I want to. So really- oh, I'm sorry, Pear. Go ahead. No, I was going to say it's really interesting because they they were you know when we first saw footage of Kirby, we we're like, oh, did they fully go Mario? uh oh like mario 64 odyssey that that right. that track but it's not it is no. it is very much kirby but yeah. they added a couple more kind of physical elements to it like transformations that actually have different physical uh, abilities and and feel to them right so it's like it's almost like glover and kirby um mixed up to make make a new game i i love that i think that's great that not all of Nintendo's games are moving in the same direction. Yeah, it is. These levels are still 100% linear, just with like little mm-hmm. offshoots, right? In in the way that you would expect from a Kirby game. Um, I mean, that's the thing that I really like about this is, and I say this in my review, but like Kirby experiments a lot, right? Like Kirby does a lot mm-hmm. of different weird things across its games. And this game, for being 3D, doesn't feel like it overly experiments with like what Kirby functionally what a kirby game functionally is it feels Mm -hmm. very much like good good kirby um just in this new sort of format and i i really like that like i think it really really works um it's a very fun game like i really hope that people don't sleep on this one thinking that it's just gonna be because like what was the last one star allies 
Uh, yes. Star Allies was like a very good Kirby game, right? Like mm-hmm. it was it was a solid Kirby game, but it felt very sort of. Uh, what's the right way to put it? Like by the numbers a little bit. This mm-hmm. feels like Kirby, you know, coming back a little in a way that I think will appeal to a lot of people and appeal to a wider audience than just like Kirby fans. OK, how's how's the music? That's what I'm music is great. About. OK, music is really good. I'm happy yeah. to hear that. The best oh, that. Kirby music for me is, of course, Epic Yarn, because it's just like chill jazz, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like put that game on in the background and just completely relax. Well, yeah. Tom, you, you sold me on this. It's fun. Um, yeah. It's really fun. Like, I don't want to I don't want to overhype that. It's not mm-hmm. like the second coming of platformers for Nintendo. Right. It's but it is just like a really good game. It's just a very, very fun game. Yeah, that's the that's the trick with some of the games that are a little bit more younger gamer friendly that Nintendo makes. Right. Like whether it's Kirby or certain Yoshi games, um, it, it, it they're not going to give you the kind of reward the challenge reward that you would get from a harder game or like one of their their core titles but sure. um I always, uh, I, I always play them because they're so charming and uh you know i imagine that my kids were still young and enjoying them no, i mean i'm just you know like uh the, the co-op factor definitely is is something that's gonna gonna um make make us get a little bit more play out of it well yeah. That's one thing that I will say was a disappointment about this game. Was awesome. co-op. All right, that's it. I'll see myself out. <laughs> uh, co-op, co-op is the only part of this game that I think tangibly disappointed me. And not okay. to a degree where it was not fun to play. It's just definitely an afterthought. It's, it is, it's dad mode, isn't it? It's yeah. like, yeah. It is, it is, as I called it in the review, younger sibling mode, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Where the, you can do drop-in, drop-out co-op with a second player, which is very cool that it's very flexible. It's not a hassle to do. You know, sometimes Nintendo likes making multiplayer a pain in the butt. Um, This is not that. The problem is that the second player can only play as the the bandana waddle D. Yep. So you can't use any of the copy powers. You can't use any of the new mouthful mode abilities. Uh, You are basically just following Kirby around, right? Hitting people Mm -hmm. with a spear. Uh, and the camera only ever focuses on Kirby. It does not adjust for the second player in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so it's not not fun. It is fun co-op still. It's yeah, just like when sure. you look at the co-op compared to past Kirby games where you could have up to four people or the partner could mm-hmm. become the enemies and have these powers also. It's just sort of like un- unimpressive co-op for a Kirby game. Yep. Sure. Yeah, it's parent mode. Yeah, it's not. And again, it's fun to play like that. It's just not at Mm -hmm. all what Kirby co-op could be and has been. Totally. But yeah, for for listeners and and viewers who have young children who are, you know, trying to get their kids more into games or or starting to play, these types of games are really perfect. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, having that sort of function where you can be a backup character, even if you don't have the the same powers, can be really helpful. It it was the same with like Mario Galaxy, where the second player. That was my example that I was going to go to. (laughs) It was like the most the most basic support function, but it made a huge difference because. Yeah. It was so smart. Like as a parent, you could point at something going like, what about that thing? Do you want to try that? Right. Like it it really creates a different experience from a from a traditional co-op mode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my, my kids are old now and they don't give a crap. So um, <laughs> they'll yeah. complain that Waddle D can't do the same things. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that uh, that that Mar- Mario Galaxy mode was genius because, you know, Connor was 
really young when that came out and part of the he just liked watching mm-hmm. me play video games and so being able to participate in them was like oh my god you know i'm playing with dad now. totally and yeah he didn't yep. get in my way he was just he was actually helping me and if he decided to go off and play with some legos or something it didn't didn't mess up the game at all so i kind of see where they're going with the wally but it is kind of a bummer if you're you know two adults that want to want to play along but yeah and, and in kid, that context kind of awesome in that context the the co-op will probably be great right yeah because if waddle d dies then you know you just it's just a little timer and then it you respawn and oh, okay. if you get pulled off the camera you just sort of like get pulled towards like mm-hmm. teleport towards kirby wherever they are so it's, well until somebody backwards engineers it and makes a, a widescreen mode <laughs> yeah there you go um yeah it's it's so yeah, I, I think that's the right context to have. In this context of like playing with a younger kid or whatever, it's going to be awesome. But for people who are looking for kind of older school Kirby co-op, it's not quite that. Yeah. I have nice. one one more thing I want to know about. The little gotchas. The little uh... Oh yeah, there's a whole collectible gotcha game Oh man. I need this in my life. I saw, I think Stealth posted on Twitter a picture of Kirby like looking yeah, at when the you, trophies and it was the cutest thing There's ever. basically Smash Bros trophies in this where you yes. collect them through a gotcha system and then when you're looking at them, the little trophy is on a table and you can spin the camera around and Kirby is just like happily <laughs> standing over the table looking yes. at his little toy. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing about this game. It's like, it's got a lot of little details in it that you might not expect from, you know, like that you would expect from like a major Nintendo game, right? Mm. There's there's a lot of little animation details. There's a lot of touches in the music that are kind of callbacks to themes in certain ways. Mm. There's that whole, you know, toy collecting system that is full of like oh, lore man. for each of the toys that is completely irrelevant mechanically to the rest of the <laughs> game right but it's just cool that it's there yes. there's um little mini games in the waddle town as you build build it, build it up there's like a fishing mini game and there's a little <gasps> restaurant mini game, game of the year well there it is <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah like and, and there's a lot of little animation details when like like I love that when you uh, when you knock the there's those mushroom cap, classic mushroom cap enemies right in Kirby that kind of throw their little mushroom hat up and if you yes. knock the mushroom hat but leave the guy alive or like the mushroom person alive then they'll kind of like get real sad and like just hang like bum <laughs> out right like there's just tons of little things like that that are just it, this game's got a lot of quality in it that I think people it could be easy to not expect and write off if you sure. if you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, I'm actually, I'm like really excited. Wait, no. yeah. 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 It's, it's just real fun. Like, again, I don't want to hype it up as like a Mario Odyssey level. Like, this is going to mm-hmm. blow your mind, but it is just a very, very fun little action platformer. Yeah. And nice. I scored it in eight, which I remind everyone is a great on the IGN eight. scale. Let's talk real quickly about Rune Factory 5, which Reb who could not be here because she's at GDC with Kat, who also is at GDC. But, uh, uh, excuse me, Rev reviewed it, gave it a six, which I said is a big shrug on the IGN scale, but Tom disagrees with me. But well, I, well, so traditionally, I think a sh- it, six stands for okay. And I think that's right, not which a is bad a, way. Eh. Yes. But so I've played a little bit of Room Factory 5 as well. Um, and 
I have talked with Reb about it and I will let her speak to it in more detail because her review is great. It's really, really detailed. It's really, really measured. She also reviewed last year um, the newest story of seasons and the newest Harvest Moon. So she's like, yeah, she knows what she's talking about in this world, mm-hmm. and in this genre. Um, and I totally defer to her in that sense. What I will say is basically the reason I say it's weird to describe this as a shrug is because for all intents and purposes, the content of this game is pretty good, right? Like it's it's if you liked Rune Factory 4 Special, you'll probably enjoy the bulk of this game. The problem is that it is. Like, I don't think I am exaggerating when I say this is probably one of, if not the worst performing game I have mm, ever played. Wow, on no kidding. It, oh. I would I would say that this is at times performs worse than The Witcher 3, right? Like it mm. is that bad. <laughs> really? And oh. the reason is not just that it has terrible lag at points for a world that is largely very visually uninteresting. Um, hmm. It also has input lag. That's like a solid second between wow. pressing Kidding. a button and something happening on screen. Even in handheld mode? Consistently. Yeah. No kidding. Across the oh, whole game, wow. you're going to have to deal with bummer. a full second of input lag on all your actions. And it Oof. is unbearable for someone like yeah. me. But for someone, for someone like Reb, who is, like, you know, frankly, way, way, way more into this sort of genre, she was able to still enjoy the game to a large, in a large way with that but like mm. it is super distracting still yeah so, such a bummer yeah, yeah. it's That's, really uh, weird it's really weird like you play this game and you're just like how did they allow this it, it feels that bad this is you know it's like the, the developers are are going to start to struggle more with um with lower spec hardware, right? Like yeah, that, that sure. happens. Like we, we see this in, in every console generation, you see towards the end of the generation, the core teams that work on them natively get better and better, right? Like Naughty Dog will crank out something at the end oh, yeah. of a PlayStation life cycle where you go like, holy crap, that, that looks so good. You expect it to be on the next console, but some of the smaller studios start to struggle as they're using assets across multiple platforms, some more powerful, some less powerful. They start struggling. Yeah. And you saw this with Game Boy Advance when a lot of games were moving towards 3D. For the longest time, the Game Boy Advance games were special games designed in 2D. And then towards the end, more and more companies were trying to make 3D games. In a lot of ways, that did not end well, right? Like... <laughs> the, Similar things happen on the DS. Um, I'm expecting this to happen on Switch until we get more powerful hardware, and then yeah. you know maybe yeah. we'll see better performing games again. So it's it's, it's a, a bummer. Again, I'll let mm-hmm. Reb talk more about it, but it is a pretty big disappointment. Just that it's like seemingly would have been a pretty fun game if it yeah. weren't just like dragged down by these issues. Mm, bummer. My, patch my, it out, maybe. My daughter is uh, on an airplane flying back to Japan right now, and this is the one game that she was looking forward to downloading and playing on the airplane. So I'll get a full download from her, but I can already tell she's going to love it just looking at the yeah, just looking at the footage. The, uh, yeah. the special edition for this game is incredible. It just is yep. packed with all the sort of extras that people like me who want to buy games and then put them on the shelf and never play them are... Uh, seriously considering buying in spite of its problems but you know if i'm never gonna play it who mm-hmm. cares anyway well yeah we'll have reb on to give us a little bit more of an in-depth look uh, on rune factory 5 
And uh, that was a six revs review, which is on the IGN scale. Okay. okay. I know I say it's a shrug. Eh, it's technically, okay. it is okay. Yeah. Uh, like a 10 is that uh, picture of Jim from the office crying because the baby was just born. That's a 10. Mm. If you want to remember that one. Yeah. And, and then, for context, uh, for context and Reb's farming reviews, she gave story, the newest story of seasons, a seven and the newest harvest moon of five. So yeah. this is like right in between that. Yeah. Uh, I almost bought the, uh, Story of Seasons special edition at Best Buy because it was 50 bucks. I was like, oh, that's a big <laughs> box. Well, goodness. But I didn't because I'm trying to work on that sort of thing. So let's talk <laughs> about what we've been playing. And aside from a few Super NES Online games, and people get real, real mad at me for saying Nintendo games, so I'm not even going to talk about all the Gran Turismo 7 I've been playing since they finally patched it after 30 hours of making me wait where I could finally get that license. By the way, by a full second... I got the goal because I had practiced so many times before it was patched that I got so good at it that on my first try, I beat the gold score by a full second. So, But, but you're not going to talk about that, right? I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk <laughs> about the implementation of the... Anyway, I, I, I love Gran Turismo and I know it has problems and I know that the fans are really mad about it and I understand why, but I'm having a fantastic time. Pair, I need to add you on... Um, PSN so we can compare times. I love I know, it so much. Yeah, I love I it you, so much. You being from Germany, you actually learned how to drive rather than in America where they just teach you like how to stop at a red light in parallel park and then they're like, just go, you're 16. Oh, yeah, I died, you know, I took my car to the notch life all the time, like, you know, tearing up the notebook ring. No, well, I didn't. No, people don't I understand that didn't. in Germany, you actually, you have to learn how to operate a, a, a motor vehicle. It's, it's not like in that, the States where that, you just get behind the wheel and pass a three-point test. No, they're very, yeah, they're very strict, um, or used to be at least back in the, I made my license in the 80s, so <laughs> it's been a while. Um, I still have it, this like pink paper thing with a picture <laughs> of a very young man in it. Um, no, I, I love, look, I love Gran Turismo too, and like, in a, you know, we're not going to talk a lot about PlayStation, obviously, on this Nintendo podcast, but there is an interesting story here where there's a, there's a game that is fun to play because it, its economy is kind of harsh, and so... And, and it makes you really appreciate every single car you get, like, because the cars are so hard fought, like, it's not so stingy as people make it out. And people are really upset about obviously not getting a lot of money in the races, but like, you'll do certain races. And for each race, you get a free car, but those cars are really meaningful. And you can mm. upgrade them and they stick with you. Whereas like in a game like Forza Horizon, it throws cars at you. Like every race is like, here, yeah. take a Koenig's egg. Here's your $3 million <laughs> car, right? Like that is not going to happen in Gran Turismo. And I love that. And I love, yeah. you know, there are obviously some Nintendo games that have this sort of higher level of difficulty. And in some case, you know, grindy, grindiness where you really feel like you accomplished something when you beat a boss. And, yeah. um, on the flip side is a really, really gross microtransaction system, like where somebody who is not, doesn't care that much about money, well, maybe it's okay, but like they could spend 20 bucks to buy a single supercar. And like, that's yeah. a horrible, like if the industry should not move in the direction of selling you a $70 game and then making, like tempting you to pay 20 bucks just because the economy is a little harsh. Right. Yeah. And like that, to me, that undermines and destroys the idea of the game being so rewarding, right? Like if Elden Ring told you, hey, just pay me 20 bucks and you kill that guy on the horse, right? Like that's, that's awful. Yeah. Let's not do that. Anyway, We're long Gran Turismo story over. <laughs> Have you been playing any Nintendo game? Triangle strategy and I love it. 
Really? Yeah. No, I, the more I play, the more I like it. You know, the beginning... I know people who have dro- dropped off in the beginning. It's very wordy. There's a lot of there's a lot of setup for the the three kingdoms and all that. When the whole kind of war starts going, um, it it becomes it becomes a little bit more dynamic. And I just I just love the battles. They're just really fun. It takes me back to the you know Square Tactics games of yore, and it's it's just it's wonderful. It's uh, you know it has. It, it, it respects your time, but it has complex game systems, you know, elevation base, backside attacks, poison, you know, different, like you can freeze the ground. All of that stuff is really fun. Um, and and it looks good. It's it's just a, a cute, great retro art style. I'm yeah. I'm really I'm really liking it a lot more. The demo made me worried that it was unbalanced and that it was cumbersome, but I'm at the point where I'm just I'm just really digging it. Yeah, someone in the uh, the Facebook group told me to stick with it till chapter four. Yeah, and it gets it really gets good. No, that's exactly it. That's no, I don't know. Wise advice. It 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 (laughs) picks up and it gets more interesting. And uh, yeah, it's. I Uh, mean, it's like I said, like during the demo, I was like, I'm reading the I'm reading the Dune books, so I have enough of like you know empirical empire building, you know. It's not the most Probably original like story. It's typical like Game of Thrones style, you know, intrigue between different nations and there's a central resource and all of that that everybody the wants. Spice. So it's but it's like it is a tactical game, exactly. Salt. It's a tactical game. And so um the attraction really is that sort of kind of grid-based combat system in it more than anything. It's got little, you know, interludes where you get to explore and find stuff and talk to characters to build the the kind of alignments and all of that um that's the kind of game of thrones aspect um i love it well, I, I said i was like it way it. more like it way more than i thought i would like okay well mm-hmm. maybe i'll go back on my promise that i'll stop trying to play it and actually try to play it make, <laughs> make some people happy i said i was like i was like i'm not gonna do it i'm just not gonna do it but all right i'll give it a shot tom when you <laughs> play mostly kirby and then mm-hmm. mostly Nothing some wrong other with stuff that. so like yeah like other stuff off Nintendo. So like I've been playing a little tunic here and there, but mostly I was just finishing up the Kirby review recently. I got to start that. There's just too many as a multi-platform owner. There's just too much stuff out. Honestly, it's, it's a shame that tunic is not on switch, right? It's like a mm. timed exclusive right now on console. Yeah. I think, um, because it is so clearly inspired by like old Zelda manuals, right? Yeah. And old Zelda stuff. And so for it to not be on this system yet feels very it's like a genuine bummer. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I won't go into the detail of it too much since people can't play it on Switch right now. But I will say that, like, when this eventually does come to Switch and that's not me knowing something, that's just me assuming given the the mm-hmm. clear interests of this developer <laughs> in Nintendo stuff um, when this eventually does, because I think it will eventually uh Keep an eye out for it. Anybody who's an old school, old school Zelda fan will, I think, really appreciate it. Yeah, you know, I got a friend who's loving it, and he said, you know, oh, you liked Fez, right? And I was like, mm. yeah, I like, love Fez. It's one of my favorite games of all time. And he's like, then this is this is a game for you. So I'll yeah. probably start playing it. Especially for people who are lamenting that, you know, all the Zelda games uh, went fully 3D, and maybe Breath of the Wild is now the future direction, right? Like, this is a throwback 
yeah um to to uh the the, the classic age so i bet we're gonna see this and once once it gets announced we'll go into more detail uh, about it which gives me time to actually play it yeah and yeah. also i will say it's it's very easy to compare it to zelda because there is a lot of uh very very clear inspiration there but it is like doing a different thing in its own thing in, in a lot of nice. ways too that's great nice. yeah I'm excited. And then, you know, next week I'll be able to talk about Kirby because I'll be playing that. I'm did you, so excited for it. Did you, um, did you guys, uh, I, I haven't been on the show for like two weeks or something because I was uh, in LA, but have you guys um, looked at some of the new classic releases? We got, obviously we got F-Zero X and yes, then we've we got two treasure games in the Genesis collection. And Oh my God, I forgot right? all about those. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's right. No, we talked about F-Zero X uh, being a disappointment. Because it does not run at the rock solid 60 FPS that we were. I know. And I talked about that. Like, I talked <laughs> everybody's ear off. It's like the unrelenting design principles of adhering to a 60 frames per second target. And then this port comes out on a system many times more powerful than the N64, and it can't hold the frame rate. For Christ's sakes, Nintendo, seriously. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, they didn't, to be, I, I say that like about Nintendo, but the N64 has been notoriously difficult to emulate well. And I'm not care. excusing but Nintendo I, for that, but I am saying like that is part of the problem. It's like we're trying to make a, a system that was just so uh, hard to design for in the first place, and then you know making that work hey, in all of its weird ways. Seth, as a as yes. a consumer and a fan of F Zero, uh, I, I don't care. I don't care if it's hard. <laughs> I'm just figure saying. it out. Make a new game. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, that mm-hmm. would be wonderful. But yeah, F Zero X. It's it, the first race, like right out of the gate, I saw like you know the frame jump, drop. Jump, jump. It's yeah. not. It's not. It doesn't destroy the game, right? No, like it doesn't they, destroy you, the game, but it, it is a bummer. It, along with the odd default button mapping and all of that, it's it's very clear that N sixty four emulation on Switch definitely needs help, and it needs more expertise from some some real classic game nerds. Um, and I I think Nintendo just kind of didn't didn't pay that close attention to it and is not giving it the due but we saw ocarina of time patched so you know maybe maybe well, they are wisening up and spending a little bit more time and money on it and, and getting somewhere but for now it's just i got a crazy idea what fgpa nintendo 64 that system on a chip maybe on like a little mini console that you just plug in and it has like 25 maybe 30 games built into it Rather than emulation with a system on a chip, you, it would perfectly replicate the N64. That Look, seems unrealistic Nintendo, to me. Call me, okay? Maybe we'll was, talk this out. Maybe it was too expensive to do an N64 mini, you know? It probably... Yeah, micro, whatever. Or, well, I think what happened was, as they were considering it, then they're like, wait a minute. We could charge people more money for Nintendo Online if we add poorly emulated... Nintendo 64 games. The second Genesis games, I'm a little disappointed that I forgot about, but I feel like they didn't really make a big deal out of out of the announcement. It was sort of they're not big name games, right? Like yeah. even though we love Treasure and to those you know who haven't been following that company, Treasure grew out of Konami's best team, right? The people yep. who gave you really the best in like Contra and Castlevania and Goemon and all of that. They're the team members from the Osaka team um, that ended up on Treasure, and they made amazing games like you know uh, Sin and Punishment. Everybody knows, obviously, on and, and you can play that right now. Um, 
but uh, never got as good as Gunstar Heroes on the Genesis, I would say. But like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing their games right now um, in the collection, and you know, it's they're just so good at manipulating hardware, and in some cases, make it do things it wasn't designed to do. Right? Like the just other companies struggle with having a lot of enemies on screen. They're like, man, no problem. Or they do like 3D elements, and so. Yeah, you got uh, what do you got? You got Alien Soldier, Light Crusader, and then the other game that was a Sunsoft game. What was it again? Super um uh Super Vegetable Salad. What is that game called again? I always forget. <laughs> yes. Let me put it that up. Was it. Uh, Fantasy, Super Fantasy Zone. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Another so they out. Go check them out. They're they're free if you're a subscriber of the higher tier subscription. Yeah. I still got to send away for my uh for my controller. It's the only one that I don't have yet. Oh, you don't have I, the Genesis one? I don't have the Genesis one, and now I regret that I didn't. Because I have the great uh, retro bit six-button USB ones. Yeah. Actually, no, I think I have, I have the wireless one, too, and mm. they're really wonderful. But the collector in me, the person who has a problem that I talk about it, with collecting garbage, really wants that Sega controller with a Nintendo branding on the back. So. I was, I mean, I was first, I was torn whether I, sh- I should order those because I wasn't sure how many, what is that sound? That was a race car outside my house. Oh, nice. Ooh, uh, Gran Turismo. Mm. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I was worried that maybe they wouldn't add that many Genesis uh, games to the platform, but, you know, they just stealth dropped three new ones. Yeah. So I, th- I think it's probably a good investment if you're into Genesis. And what is or there? Me- Mega Drive. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Some great games. Yeah, absolutely. I've been playing Fantasy Star 4. I haven't played it in a while, but Fantasy mm-hmm. Star 4. Go check that one out. All right. Enough talking about video games and what we've been playing. It's time for Question Block, where not all the questions are about video games. For ex- Well, actually, this one is. <laughs> this one is from, and please forgive me, Christian Travis de Sigli. Sigli? C-E-G-L-I-E. I'm sorry, Christian, for mispronouncing your name but christian wants to know how old were you when you got your first game console and we're going to start with pear i was very little so small like smaller than uh, i i i recall but that's because we all three kids i have two older brothers they're six and five years older all three kids got it for christmas it was a Fairchild channel f wow. which in in germany it was called the zaba teleplay video spiel system or something like that and it was the it was the first system to use removable cartridges for games and um yeah it was a uh i i remember just being struck by uh it was to see lots of those colors move on the screen so i i do have memories of playing it i totally remember the games but i must have been really little what came out like in the 70s when it yeah, came out in 72? 1976 or probably oh, okay. 1977 so i was probably like six years old um really cool thing about this is so it was designed by jerry lawson which yep. was one of the rare african-american uh game and system developers in the business back then in the 70s um you know made a name he passed away um but his son works for me wait mm-hmm. what yeah well, I who what Anderson Lawson on our product team. Uh, oh no, kidding! Product manager is the son, and once in a while we're geeking out over a call when we're talking about IGN product and we're building a really cool uh, thing right now. And I'm like, dude, 
Did you know that box art for the Fairchild Channel F like is virtually like has disappeared from the internet? They're like no clear scans. He goes, oh, of these games? <laughs> like he, <laughs> He's got, yeah, he's got, you know, from That's his so father cool. inherited all these old cartridges and it's really, really awesome. Yeah. Wow. I think there's a, there's a documentary about uh, him developing yes. for that. Yeah. And Anderson, Anderson was featured on that documentary. Oh, okay. Anyway. Anderson's so cool. awesome, uh, very knowledgeable yeah. about his father's achievements and all of that. That's we got to we got to get him on Game Scoop or something in the future yeah. to talk classic games for all those people yeah. who remember the Fairchild Channel F, which is me. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tom, what about you? How old were you when you got your first console? I feel like I'm about to make Pear feel real bad. Mm. Uh, the GameCube. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but I I uh, I have never heard of the Fairchild. Mm. Oh, interesting. So. I also don't know how old I was because I must have been like one or two. And I've, I've, the, my first system, I guess at the time, was my older brother's first system similarly because he's like three and a half years older than me. Um, and it was the Super Nintendo. That was oh, the, the first thing I ever had because I was born in 91. So, like, it probably, like, I, it, it's funny to think about that I, like, don't remember it. I literally have no memories before owning a super nintendo video like like that's always been consoles yeah. and nintendo consoles have always been in my life for as long as i can remember um yeah yeah and that must have been in you know when i was like one or two years old we got that i don't remember specifically i do remember one of the things that got me into games or made me think games are cool is that my mom would stay up playing link to the past after we went to sleep um that's awesome i just like that that memory very much sticks out in my head is that she would we'd go to bed and she'd stay up playing link to the past and then the other <laughs> thing that was that we would always uh i would join her while she was playing the mist games and that that oh, those okay. yep. those two yep. things were basically what got me into video games at all that's so cool yeah yeah i'm similarly i can't remember how old i was when we got our coleco vision mm -hmm. uh, i must have been probably seven or eight years old Coleco, of course, is a, a, a shortened version of the Connecticut Leather Company, which is exactly the company that you, that is not a, something that I'm making up. That is what that Coleco is not a real for. fact. The, it is 100 percent the Connecticut Leather Company. They branched out into <laughs> consumer electronics and they released the ColecoVision. And the pack-in game for the ColecoVision, by the way, was Donkey Kong. Wow. From a little developer that nobody had heard of at the time called Nintendo. So that was the mm. first console we got. We got it for Christmas. It, if I was seven or eight, it would have been 1984 or five. Basically, it was the reason that we got the ColecoVision was because the video game industry had completely crashed and you could get ColecoVision uh, consoles for pennies on the dollar and the games you could also get for pennies on the dollar. And we had the adapter that allowed you to play uh, Atari 2600 games. And I very much remember going to Zares, which any New Englanders my age will remember, which was basically like a, you know, a Walmart or a, 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 a Ames True Valley, or not Ames True Valley, but Ames Department Store. And they had giant bins of Atari and Coleco and Intellivision games for a dollar a piece. And you would just, you know, my parents would be like, oh, here's $2. And you could buy two games. And of course, I was a little kid. I would just pick them based on the box art take them home and just be so disappointed by that but you know <laughs> that's not the first video game that i remember i remember seeing video games and much like pair like the originally 
the the novelty of being able to move the what was happening on tv having control of what was going on on the screen was just like this mind-blowing thing because it had always been this passive thing you just watched what happened and all of a sudden you could control what was happening and in spite of the fact that it was you know this awful awful graphics and we had a black and white tv in our room that we played it on and it looked horrible and if we were good we got to take it into the color tv in the living room every now and then but it was just so magical and so wonderful and the ColecoVision is not a great system <laughs> none of those yeah. from those generation are very good at all it wasn't until the nes came along that we were like holy it's yeah. it's so funny even you know and the i played atari vcs afterwards and had an atari home computer and commodore 64s were very popular when i was a kid it's really difficult to go back and play some of those games it's like the the generation after that you know when yeah. things went to nes uh, amiga atari st that's when games started to get a little bit more complex and hold up better but like i see this all the time like i I, I bought that Atari re-release console. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to go and visit my childhood memories and play all these old games. And then I'm playing them. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're just bad versions of Everything. arcade games that I love more, right? Like, it's it's really funny when you go back. And um, yeah. it's the same with Coleco and Fairchild, all those machines. They did stuff that was mind-boggling to us as kids, but it's very difficult to revisit that now. Yeah. I mean, the, the Coleco version of Donkey Kong was pretty okay for what it <laughs> he was. looks so funny like Donkey Kong does bad. not look like a gorilla no no it, it's it's a horrible <laughs> it's, but I mean, let, let's just say the box art had to do a lot of talking back in the days that was absolutely <laughs> true. there's a i think it's by um i want to say it's by bitmap books but there's a great book of just the cover paintings of atari 2600 games yeah and the art on those it was like they would commission a very skilled commercial artist or a commercial illustrator to make these beautiful like oil painted yeah. renditions of the most exciting stuff you know this be- sci-fi fantasies or incredible sports and then you'd plug the game in and turn it on and just go yeah. bleh, and a I mean, square go- would bounce around there are games like take like amidar or yara's revenge where you're like <laughs> what is what is that what is that yeah. a fly is that a gorilla and then you look at the box i don't this is a gorilla of course now i yeah. see it right oh so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you had mm-hmm. to do a lot of heavy lifting mm-hmm. back then. And it's weird. Those, I don't know. Games have come so far. Nobody had any it's idea amazing. of color theory. They oh just have God. the grossest, ugliest color. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that, that's how old we were. We were all very, very young. So thank you, I Christian, know. for that question. Dan Bacho wants to know, what's your favorite candy? <laughs> I have to think about that. Oh, man, I am from, I am from the land of gummy bears. Um, yeah, obviously. So, you know, Haribo, I really like uh, their Colorado mix, their gummy bears, the wine gums that they do. I have a soft spot for British wine gums, too. They're a bunch of I don't companies. know what a wine gum is. Could you explain that, please? Oh, my God. It's well, they, they <laughs> tr- traditionally wine was used to make them. But nowadays it's just fruit flavors. You don't know hmm. wine gums like Bassett's and stuff from from England. OK, anyway. No, that is insane. You know what a gummy bear is. I'm from America. We only know America. Imagine a wine gum is a gummy bear that's an oval. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. Perfect. Um, and uh, no, and and obviously I'm a, I look. I, if you're from Germany, you also like licorice. And so the Oof. Swedes, the Dutch, the Dutch make freaking amazing candy. Red Band. The Swedes make evil salty candy that'll put hair oh, hair on your teeth. Um, all of that stuff's so good. <laughs> 
Yeah, I had some Icelandic licorice from my mm. neighbor who went to, and that was just, mm. uh, it was like I put a, a chunk of chewy rock salt in my mouth and then all my taste it is burned off for a it's, month. It's heavily regulated how much ammonium chloride the licorice <laughs> can have because it's apparently not very good for you. And if kids eat it, they like, they go crazy and lose their mind and run into How much? Not just it, that it can have any, but how much ammonium chloride? Mr. Marks, ammonium Ooh. chloride is a must in salty licorice. We're gonna dial back the ammonium chloride a little bit. This is this is too much it's for called, the kids to it's handle. Zalmiak in German, and like the, it'll it's in the brand names of a lot of those things. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. I'm not one to judge. That's fine. It's okay. Like you know, you guys have kids like sucking on little Tide tablets for dishwashers. In Germany, we just take our ammonium yeah. chloride in licorice form it's very strange to me that salt is a, a, a an ingredient in candy in most other places my wife grew up in southern california and her sister sent her uh like mexican candy which was oh. just a lot of like salt and chili peppers oh yeah chili powder mm -hmm. on like candy and i was like how did you eat this and she's just like putting it away like, so cool and, and asia obviously lots of bean paste right sweet yeah. beans and all that it's it's really cool when once you once you um look a little bit more closely but you know yeah in america we just put salt on everything else so you, you, so you guys are always notorious for putting so much coloring in everything like mm -hmm. if you go to germany like our gummy bears look really sad by comparison even haribo makes a special version of their gummy bears for the u.s market and even replaces a flavor because for some odd reason americans believe blue raspberries are a thing you want to know about blue oh, raspberries? Blue I'll tell you word. about blue raspberry. Uh, they already had red for cherry, and they're like, well, we have a raspberry flavoring. <laughs> what are we going to do? Let's make up a blue raspberry. And that's why we have blue raspberry. Yeah. It was just because some because cherry had already planted its flag on red dye number 40 <laughs> or whatever it was. So that is why. Yeah. Well, thank you for tuning into the Nintendo Candy Chat. I am full of all kinds of really stupid facts. So, Tom, yeah. what is your favorite candy? Chocolate. Just like okay. flat out chocolate. I, I was trying to think of like a specific chocolate candy bar or something, but no, nah, I just love dark chocolate. I just, I'm, oh my I'm, God, it's the best. I just love a really good quality chocolate. Yep. All right. Well, next time we meet in an office, I'm going to get red band gummy candies from Holland. I'm going to get some salty licorice. I'm going to get some German stuff. And then, then we're going to have a big party. All right. We have a, a place that sells, it's a German deli here. Uh, so I will, whatever you recommend, I will go and try oh, it out. There's a, there's, I, I actually ordered buckets of candy from this German online retailer too. They oh. ship it from Germany. Yeah. Very exciting. I'll show right. you. <laughs> well, my favorite candy, and uh, this might come as a surprise, is actually jelly beans, particularly jelly belly jelly beans. I love jelly beans so much. It is not good for me. But whenever, you know, I have like if it's my birthday or if it's Christmas, I get a bag of jelly beans for my kids and I love it so much. And every time I go to TJ Maxx, they have them right there for like a dollar. I buy a 500 calorie bag of jelly beans, then I eat them on the ride home. So it's a big shame they still put the uh, popcorn flavor in there. That popcorn flavor, I love. I love Actually, the popcorn flavor. Here we flavor go. Too. I love oh, God. popcorn. One of the, they make, um, these, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it, they do make some really disgusting on purpose 
uh, flavors like skunk spray. Oh yeah, the birdie bots thing. Yeah, the, yeah, bamboo bean boozled. Yes, what they, call they them, have yeah. where yeah. you don't know. There's two. They're the same color. You don't know if you're getting the good one or the bad one. And one of the funniest things I ever saw was when we were goofing off at my old job, and two of my friends were were doing the challenge, and just the look of just sheer revulsion on their face when somebody you know who got the skunk one, who got like the yeah. gasoline dirt. One dirt sardines booger like it's oh, gross it's stuff so gross yeah, i know those those mad lads over at uh the jelly belly factory mm -hmm. that's where the uh the bad oompa loompas go actually is to work there you can i think you can you can thank the the you know the harry potter franchise for the the gross flavor trend that happened i think jelly belly was inspired by that and obviously did a branded lockup yeah oh you wicks alas <laughs> 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 no thanks i like the good ones i like pretty much all of them in popcorn top shelf stuff one of my favorites <laughs> so uh one more question and this one is from oh this is a general question like we get this every week and a lot of people want to know from us our expert opinions even though at the top of the show i said we don't have inf insider information is breath of the wild still coming out this year what do we think i think it is there i, I said I, I think so too. I think they w would have moved it out um, uh, before the announcement of Pokemon if there there was a risk. But the thing with Nintendo is that stuff changes all the time, and like they're pretty uncompromising when it comes to the quality of the game. And so if yeah. in if in August Aonuma says, you know, I don't feel good about this feature and I want to spend more time, they they have no problems delaying that yeah. sucker into yeah. the next year. That that could happen. But right now, it's on their lists. The way people talk about it, it's still uh, on on target to be the big game this year. Oh, yeah. and fingers that, crossed. I think that's the right way to frame it, Pear, is like, as of now, I think, yes, it is still planned to come this year. But I also would not be surprised if sometime after now, Nintendo decides it needs a little bit more time and they push it to spring. But I, I think yeah. currently right now, we have no reason to question what they are saying it, it happens all the time and like that's where it's important to know too like if you if you speak to somebody from nintendo of europe or nintendo of america you're getting their viewpoint on on their lineup as it's planned as the marketing is lined up you know they're planning right. things for the release you know but they are in some cases they don't have that deep insight into where, how the development team is feeling at this point in time and maybe mm. the development team is a little bit you know they're not 100 percent on whether they can make it and so that sort of stuff sometimes comes as a surprise, not just to us and you, the listeners and viewers, but also to people who work for that same company. Yep. And as we all know, uh, a good game is <laughs> good forever. And Miyamoto never actually said that quote. <laughs> we, all, we all learned this week. That was just yeah. some like generic apocryphal uh, quote given to, uh, to Winston Churchill. So no. <laughs> it's very famous. So hmm. That is all the time we have on this week's NVC. You can follow us on Twitter at NVC Podcast. Submit your question blocks on the NVC Facebook group. Thank you, Tom, for being here to talk a little bit about Kirby. Don't think I didn't notice the pink bow tie. I appreciate that. Oh. Also, I want to thank Red on the ones and twos. And most of all, thank you for hanging out with us. And remember, NVC is the only place where you can get the thing. Get the salty licorice. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, 
erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.